modern worker needs access to multiple applications. And with every new piece of software implemented, the security and identity requirements grow exponentially. Identity authentication is creating increasing headaches for IT professionals everywhere. And relying on usernames and passwords, it's just not gonna be enough much longer. We've been using usernames and passwords as the primary identity feature for like 50 years. And I really have been working in my career to help change that and come up with a better way. When I think of usernames and passwords, I think that is a lose-lose situation. It's a bad experience and it's bad security because everybody uses the same passwords and doesn't change them. That's Fran Roche, the CEO of ForgeRock, a company that is helping users connect with the world and its software safely and simply with its AI-driven platform. On this episode of IT Visionaries, Fran explains how ForgeRock is pioneering next-generation identity authentication that can help verify users through multiple passive data points such as domains, IP addresses, time of day, previous logins, concurrent logins, and many others. If his future comes into reality, you might be able to forget that username and password for good. IT Visionaries is created by the team at Mission.org and brought to you by Salesforce Platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Innovate fast, empower every employee, and scale with confidence from anywhere with a customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com slash platform. Welcome everyone to another episode of IT Visionaries. And today we have the CEO of ForgeRock, Fran Roche on the show. Fran, welcome to the show. Albert, thanks so much. Happy to be here. All right, right out the gate. What exactly is ForgeRock? It's got a very strong sounding name. Tell us what ForgeRock does. So ForgeRock is a digital identity platform built for enterprise and large enterprise. So what the heck is that? Yeah. Yeah, we enable our customers to really create really frictionless and easy identity experiences. So that as an employee or as a consumer, it's really easy for you to register, set up a new account, be recognized when you come back and authenticate and get access to what you want to do and then move on. Uh, So it's really that whole kind of process of setting up and authenticating your identity to get access to services online. So this is a a space that's very hot right now. Uh, we know that there are competitors that you, and we've had them on the show, so I don't, or maybe they're not competitors. So for, for our audience, I'd love to hear like a little bit of what's the difference, what's unique about Forge Rock. To give you an example, we've had, we've had guests from Okta, from Auth0 and different companies here, but I know that typically in software, a lot of times people say the same things, but they don't actually do the same things. I was curious, what's unique about Forge Rock? Yeah, let me just, before I jump right into ForgeRock, I want to take a step back and you said the market's really hot. And I want to kind of explain why yeah. the market is really hot right now. And I think some of this ties to, you know, the digital transformation that companies have been going through over the past 15, 20 years, where instead of doing business in person or over the phone, you know, we're doing everything digitally. As employees, everything we do now is online especially in this post-COVID world where every worker is a remote worker. And as consumers, everything we do for banking, shopping, healthcare, insurance, self-driving cars, everything now is digital. And I think if you look at how identity kind of evolved over the past couple of decades, it was not, it didn't have a lot of high-level importance. So a lot of individual technology people kind of just put an identity system in place. And now the IT organizations that are responsible for running these are under immense pressure from their businesses 
to transform and create these really frictionless identity experiences as they compete in their individual markets. And let me give you one example, which is financial services. So, you know, banks have always competed with each other and we love that. Yeah. And part of the way banks compete is over their customer experience. And customer experience used to be how you went into a bank branch, where there are long lines, good tellers, lollipops, all that cool stuff. But now the way they compete, it's all digitally. And so these IT organizations have to create these really simple, easy experiences, whether you're web or mobile. And that's become a way that they compete with each other. And that's why this space is so hot right now. So when you mentioned that, it was more from a consumer side. Is Forge Rock more for consumers to access their services or is it for internal employees to access their services or both? It's really both. It's really both because in the old days, I think that these decisions for consumer and workforce or employee identity were very different and made by different people. On the workforce side, it was typically a lot about security. Remember the old days you have to carry around a token to authenticate (laughs) yourself? Yeah, I remember RS. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> my RSA token that changed every, what, like 30 seconds. And like, you'd log in, like you mistyped a keystroke and like, damn it. Like and my, my token changed. And I do remember those. Exactly. Or if you didn't have it with you, you know, you're calling the help desk to try to get it one time and all that stuff. So that really indexed on security, but it was a terrible experience that hurt the productivity of the employee base because they're waiting around to get access. On the consumer side, I think in the old days, it used to be really all about experience. But now companies have to worry about fraud, privacy, regulatory compliance, and how they treat all this information. So what's happened is over the past couple of years, really the requirements have aligned. We want our employees to be really productive and we want our employees to have really good experiences and onboard new employees all the time while still managing security. On the consumer side, it's the same thing. We want to manage those good consumer experiences, but we still need to worry about security and fraud. So as these requirements have come together, Companies want a single platform to manage all those identities. And Fordrock, since our very beginning of the company, was kind of purpose-built for all kinds of identities, workforce, consumer, and physical things as well, because we want to connect people to things as much as just services. So I'll describe that in a little bit, you know, because I experienced this recently because I had a 401k transfer event. So I had to move the money around and it moved to another uh, brokerage that I, I won't call them out, but, you know, it's a big one. Starts with a V. You guys can figure it out. So I moved the money there and I was shocked to find out that it didn't sync up with my other account. And I had to now had two logins to the same brokerage. And I asked why that was, whereas another bank, which was much more seamless of experience when I opened a credit card, like they didn't even ask me if I had another credit card. They knew I had another credit card and now I could use one login to manage both. And you you were mentioning before, like you don't think of identity as impacting the user experience. But that's a prime example right there. Like that was annoying. Now I had to call someone and like that person had to figure out a way to like join my accounts. And then the versus the other one was by default designed to be, you know, one identity. It knew who I was. Exactly. I mean, you got to think about the identity is the front door to your business. And, you know, as my mother's always told me, you only have one chance to make a good impression. And if you have a really clunky initial interaction, you know, People are going to go, consumers are going to go other places. So this is really how people are differentiating now in their individual markets. So that's why it's become so important over the past couple of years. So where does Forge Rock sit that enables it the ability to deliver this identity experience? It's, I mean, because I'm going off the front of ForgeRock.com. It talks a lot about cloud, cloud services. Like, does it, is it a service that sits on top of your other cloud services? Where does it sit that it can control this type of information? 
So let me tell you, let me tell really quick history of the business a little bit. So yeah, we were really formed to focus on enterprise and large enterprises. So we have over 1,100 customers. If you've ever driven a BMW or used a Verizon service or shopped online with Home Depot or Lowe's or used Geico for your insurance, you've used the Fordrock platform because those are the kind of brands that we help uh, be successful in the world. And we were, we were really formed to be the most comprehensive platform across the full identity experience. And what we mean by that is we help those companies make it really easy to enroll new users, all the onboarding, provisioning, and syncing of new users. And then we make it really easy for them to identify you when you, com- when you come back, whether it's a minute, an hour, a year later, we can recognize you. And like you said, make that seamless interaction. And for the employees, you know, people have thousands of employees that access thousands of applications, creating a web of millions of entitlements that need to be tracked. So the Fordrock platform provides enterprises the capability to do all of that life cycle, which is very different than, say, some of the other companies that you've had on the, the show before that focus on just one part of that identity journey. Fordrock's also built to focus on all kinds of identities, workforce, consumer, and things. Because we have customers now that not only want to know about you, but they want to know about the car you drive or the phone you use or the hotel room that you're checking into. So connecting you with things makes you even more intelligent. And we're really built for large enterprise and scale. One of our customers is the BBC. And you know they have instances around royal weddings or royal interviews <laughs> and you know big football matches where they get this massive influx in traffic uh, to be able to either subscribe or authenticate or set up a, do a password reset. So they need that scale. So that's kind of been the history of Fordrock focusing on those large enterprises. Over the past couple of years, we've made some big changes. We did shift to be Fordrock as a service. So we were traditionally a software company that our customers managed. We now do it on their behalf in the Fordrock Identity Cloud. So that's been a big change for us as we kind of modernized the company. We've also brought in AI because identity is a lot about decision-making. Do I know who you are? Should I trust you? Should you get access to this application and this file at this exact second? So the Fordrock platform allows our customers to collect a lot of signals and clues about that user to make a risk-based decision on whether they should get access. So it was always this very comprehensive platform, and we've done a lot to modernize it over the past couple of years. No, that's pretty impressive. Tell me what it's like, what that experience is like now. So, because you have a unique seat, uh, Fordrock has seen, you know, even though you've been at the company since what 2018. That's right. And the company's been around since 2010. So a lot has changed since 2010. Let's think about like how many applications or services a general, like a general employee needs access to. I mean, I'm thinking of our, like if I were to think of ourselves, I bet you inside of Mission Podcast, which is a small business, we probably need access to 10 services. What are you seeing in regards to like the number of services an employee needs access to? How is that growing? Is, you know, it, where, where are we at? Like what's the average right now? So we focus on enterprise, large enterprise, so a little bit bigger than you guys. Right. And it's well over 50 applications per employee. 50. <laughs> and we have one uh, customer who's uh, in the re- uh, healthcare, um, but healthcare from a retail perspective. And they literally have over 200,000 employees and they, they have over 10,000 applications that they manage as a company. And the web between those 200,000 plus employees and those 10 plus thousand applications create an amazing web of approvals and entitlements that have to be tracked. 
And as you know, things never say static. That's right. You're always bringing on new employees or people are changing jobs or people are leaving the company. So the ability to track all of that, that's really difficult. And if you use a, an old rules-based, this person's a salesperson, this is what they get access to. You can never manage that over time. And that's why we believe it's a really good application for AI. But look, at the numbers of applications are, are exploding. One other thing, uh, one other point I'd like to make is that if all those applications were in the cloud, which they might be for a small company like yours, yeah. that's pretty easy. But we have companies that literally have legacy mainframes that they've had around for 20, 30, 40 years. Yeah. Hundreds of legacy on-prem apps that use out-of-dated protocols and standards. Now in combination with all these cloud and size apps, it can make for a very complicated integration project. So we've had some of the sales reps from like Amazon, Google Cloud inside of on the shows before too. And they've talked about how internally at their companies, they think only 20% of the world's workloads are in the cloud right now. So 80% of enterprise business is done at data center level or custom proprietary applications, mainframe applications like you just discussed that they just haven't moved to the cloud. Like it's happening, but it's not there yet. And so I'm thinking about what you just described, which is this blend of access and permissions. Because when I was at a larger company, even though I was a larger company, it was only 300 employees. You're correct. All of our applications were cloud-based. We did not have any data center applications. And I'm just trying to picture the layers of complexity that this adds. And you're also right there, right? When you talk about a big enterprise of 200,000 people, new people in, new people out, but also transfer responsibilities, right? There's probably a new promotion every day too, right? <laughs> when you have that many people. So is identity management in your, from where you sit, is that like a job? Is someone's job to manage all the identities of the organization? Absolutely. Absolutely. In our customer base, there's usually somebody when you say who leads digital identity, they raise their hand and they have that title on their business card. Some companies that might be one person for the consumer and another person for the employee base. Some big customers may have different divisions where they have multiple people. But what's interesting about identity is there are a lot of stakeholders who really care about it. So this poor person who wears that identity mantle, they can get like crushed with requirements and expectations because the business line is saying, you know, you've got to make this really simple and easy for people to access, like stop the madness of why is it so hard to do a password reset for God's sake? We've only been doing this for 40 years. Or on the, on the workforce side, the HR is like, we need to onboard these employees and you need to give them the access to what they need so they can start their work. So it's a lot of the business, but there's also the CISO who wants to put on security requirements around multi-factor authentication or how identity fits into zero trust. There's the IT organization who has to run that infrastructure. So there's a lot of different, the developer who's actually building the applications want to say and how easy it is to use the identity. So there's usually somebody, but they're under a lot of pressure from a lot of different stakeholders. And how does a customer even raise their hand to say, hey, I need this? When does the spaghetti bowl get just too messy, right? I'm assuming some people try to do without for a little bit and then they're like, oh, we're in trouble now. It's a great question. And it, it's really happened a lot over the past year with had people been stressing their digital channel. We had one financial services company come to us and said that in the first couple of months of COVID, they saw the amount of people going into their physical branches drop by 90%, but their digital went up by 300%. And the system they had just started to crash and people couldn't authenticate. So they're like, holy smokes, we got to go out and get something different. So what I would say is that when you look, everybody's got something today. 
you've got employees, you've got identity. If you have customers, you've got identity. Yeah. What we find is there's a lot of homegrown technology that's out there that people just kind of built in the early days and just kind of, you know, but they can't keep up with that code. It's so brittle. It doesn't work. It doesn't innovate. Or there are legacy solutions like CA SiteMinder and Oracle and IBM that have kind of some legacy identity platforms that still have a lot of install base. And what they're doing is these, the reason they get to a breaking point where the pressure just gets too much and the requirements gets too much from the business lines. And the IT organization just says, we can't do this. This doesn't work. And they start an RFP process to go get a more modern platform that can give them the functionality and scale they need. You know, you just mentioned something I just didn't really even think about, but it makes total sense. You mentioned retail traffic went down 90%, but digital traffic went up 300%. Well, how's that possible? And one of the things I think about is also, I mean, because I know I'm guilty of this. Like if I had to go walk into a bank, I might walk in once a week. But if I have access to check my accounts whenever I want, I might log in four times a day. Or if I have like, if I'm tracking a volatile asset like Bitcoin, I might log in like six times a day to take a look at my Bitcoin portfolio. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like It's just one of those things that I think to your point, IT groups maybe they just were not prepared for They don't like, if you're used to a physical retail environment or like that, you're not really used to digital behavior. Shorter, short burst, but more frequent, right? It's just, they're constantly logging in basically. That's right. And <laughs> give you another story. We had a customer who's kind of a legacy retailer. So mostly pre-pandemic, they were uh, all physical. People would go in and they had this really kind of nascent digital channel and they were a four-drop customer for a couple of years. And, you know, they were kind of in the news for having financial problems because of the drop in retail and everything. So when their renewal came up, we thought, oh, oh no, you know, they're probably not going to be able to renew because they're not doing all that well. So we called our contact and we said, oh, you know, how you doing? Are you okay? And he goes, not only are we renewing, but we need to double our purchase and buy more identities. And guys, I need to thank you because I've gone from the department that nobody cares about to be the department that everybody cares about and kind of being a rock star in his organization. So it's just the digital channel has just proven to be so critically important to every business, automotive, retail, healthcare, everybody's moving to digital. So Let's talk a little bit about your career because it's pretty interesting because I was looking through it and you've been in charge of authentication, it looks like, since 1998. I've been in this a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, talk about the evolution you've seen. I mean, you've, you've, you've kind of hit on it a little bit, but give us an idea of like what the experience or the demands are besides just volume. We know that the volume or the number of things I need access to has increased, but like security factors. I'm sure there's a lot of hidden things at play that people don't see. Because when you're right, when I log into something and if it works for me, then I just assume everything's okay. There's no, I don't think twice about what other things are happening. I'm sure there's more regulatory compliance. There's more uh, legal compliance. What are some of the things that have happened to authentication over the course of, you know, 20 years? Absolutely. Yes. It's been an interesting journey. And sometimes I think there's been a lot of change. Other times there hasn't. <laughs> you know, we've been using usernames and passwords as the primary uh, identity feature for like 50 years. And, you know, I really have been working in my career to help change that and come up with a better way. And, you know, when I think of usernames and passwords, I think that is a lose-lose situation. It's a bad experience and it's bad security because everybody uses the same passwords and doesn't change them and all those types of things. So. Yeah. And they use them for across applications, right? Because I, 
I'm guilty. I know that I have a business password and a personal password. And I shouldn't, you know, probably reveal that. But I'm not different from many people. If you hack one, you've hacked them all, actually. That's right. So <laughs> in the early days, going backwards, you know, my first technology company was with VeriSign. And the company's changed quite a lot about over the past 20 years. But when they first started, they were a digital identity company um, based on digital certificates. They were kind of a, an original internet infrastructure company that really drove being able to securely do e-commerce um, to be able to do through, through SSL certificates. And this idea of PKI, which was, I won't describe PKI because it's super painful, which is why it never took off. But we talked about then this concept of a driver's license for the internet, where everybody would just have one identity that you can use across all the different websites that you would visit and be able to identify yourself securely and individually. A lot of way that technology has been out there for 20 years, but it's never been used because it didn't have that right balance between customer experience and ease of deployment and ease of understanding for users, along with, you know, the security capabilities that an organization needs. So I actually believe that, you know, one of the things that's really frustrated me over the years is when I hear some of the big security companies, when they talk about identity, when it's not their specialty, they advise their customers that you need to find a balance between experience and security. And I hate that because they're not really saying balance. They're saying you have to compromise, yeah. that you can't have both a really good experience and security. So why I joined Fordrog is because I think there's a lot of foundational technology here that can allow us to really break that paradigm and shift to a point where we can break that lose-lose situation and create an opportunity to have both simple and safe access. And let me give you an example. So ATM machines. I know we don't use ATM machines as much as we used to, but when you think about that from a usability and security perspective, it's a compromise situation. Because I would much rather from an experience standpoint, just walk up to an ATM and say, give me a hundred dollars and have that, have it <laughs> yeah. spit out, right? Yeah. And just walk away. That'd be a better experience. I mean- to your point, an ATM machine actually has no identity measures. It's literally a card. Whoever has the card has the... <laughs> and a four-digit pin. Yeah. And a four-digit pin. But that's not secure. That's not secure at all. Yeah. I mean, I don't even need the card. We already know about rippers, right? Like, if I, ha I just need to mirror your card. That's right. And have, um, got your money. And there are so many better ways to authenticate you. Do What is your phone in your pocket? What is the sound of your voice? You could use a biometric. So, you could have both a better experience and a more secure experience. And that's what we're trying to drive here at Fordrock and why I joined the company. So is the future Fordrock going to be in hardware? Because in order for those things to be true, you have to have a hardware component. What we do is we integrate into these ecosystems. So we are kind of the backbone of the identity service and we could consume those identity credentials uh -huh. and use those credentials to verify the user and then send the message back whether the user should be allowed in or not. So- Give me an idea of what are the, some of your vision for the future, because this is where it gets fascinating because you have such a good experience. I'm curious, because I agree, what, use the username password experience, it's, I would say more people complain. It's probably the number one source of help desk tickets from a lot of tech companies. Once I can't log in. I mean, it's a significant one. <laughs> I've worked at tech companies before. It was, a, it was always significant or they didn't get their password reset or it was something like that. Tell me the future you envision where, you know, we've talked a little bit about biometrics, but I'm curious, what else could it possibly be that's going to make it even easier for me to log in to use services that I need to do my daily job? Yes. And, but before I do, I want to give you one, one more kind of a 
follow on to your framing of the question, which is not only do we want to find ways to revolutionize that experience, but we also have to deal with security. Yeah. Because identity is not only the number one reason that people make call center requests to reset a password to get access to something. It's also the number one reason behind these identity breaches that we hear about, or I'm sorry, these data breaches. You know, over 65% of data breaches can somehow be tied to a compromised credential where somebody stole somebody's password, used it to break into a network, get a foothold, and cause some of these damage that's out there. So it's both. So when we talk about revolutionizing identity, we look at both sides of the coin, revolutionizing the experience and revolutionizing security. And experience, we really believe it's a lot about passwordless and usernameless access. And companies like Apple are doing a really nice job making us feel comfortable with that biometric. And they've done a nice job securing that biometric because it never leaves the device. So in my case, with my bank, I can go ahead and use Face ID. And uh, after I set it up to use to get into my bank every day, that's kind of a good experience. The problem is all I'm doing is masking the problem because my, my password still exists. It just gets passed when my face um, gets recognized. Mm-hmm. And what we believe is you can actually eliminate that password altogether and use much more of like a secure token that can't be fished and can't be stolen. So it's taking this kind of ease of use and driving it further around eliminating the password, not just masking the password. So in the future, is everything passwordless? Yes. Yeah. That, I can't wait. <laughs> I absolutely believe that way. And I, I, you know, I, I think it's something that 10 years from now, the young people will, won't even remember the concept of having to use a password. It, it, there's so many better ways to do it. Like I was just talking about. And I also think AI becomes really important because we can start collecting signals uh, on that user. Some things that we commonly think of, of the type of device we're on, how we react on that device, the type of transactions that we do, the pace at which we work. All these signals can be collected and a much more accurate determination of whether you're a legitimate user or not can be calculated than whether you have a username and password. So that's another big driver of this kind of transformation that's going to happen. So one of the things I've seen in the past, for example, when Face, uh, I'll talk to this. So when Face ID first happened, there were stories of people being able to unlock phones that actually weren't the people. And I know it's gotten better, but that's an example of like where the technology was not able to uniquely identify exactly who the person was. You know, I'm of Asian descent. I can tell you for sure when Face ID first came out, I could easily unlock my brother's phone. It was not hard. <laughs> I just looked at it, boom. It didn't take but one second. Like, oh, that's you're definitely each other. How is there like a metric that that drives identity companies where they can say, like, okay, what with with certainty, 100 percent this person is the unique person? Like, what does that interval have to be for true, I guess, widespread adoption where people can say, okay, I, I can go passwordless? What's what's your hypothesis on that? First, I would say is it's about layers. So determine, you know, using the face ID to determine who you are is an important factor. And maybe it gets you 90% there, 95% there. Yeah. But the smart organization is also looking at other factors like the device that you're coming in from, the types of transactions you've done in the past, your geolocation, IP address. All of these things could potentially be spoofed or broken to some degree. Right. But in combination, you keep getting a higher and higher confidence score that that is that user. And that's where that kind of that AI capability comes in to be able to take all those different signals and develop a risk score, which we think can get extremely high. 
But then it's up to the business. And we have customers, I was talking like the BBC, and there's not as much security with the BBC, right? What's the worst thing? And, you know, a fake user gets to watch Killing Eve. Yeah. I mean, that's not a massive problem yeah. for them. So they, they err on the easy side. If you're a financial services company where somebody's doing a wire transfer of a lot of money, then that same level of certainty might not be good enough for you. And you will ask for more and more. So it's two things. It's getting smarter, but understanding the seriousness of what's being, what's being used with that credential, what's being accessed. You know, if there's one thing that I always think about with, with um, you know, let's say customer expectation with products like Uber and Lyft, and we've made it so that everything's so seamless. And this idea that you could do that many security checks without me like double authenticating to FAing, like, you know, knowing that I'm at my house because of my domain, that I have my device with me, that it has the same geolocation, that the face is the face to you saying that those layers all come true. But to make that a seamless experience, that is going to be, when it comes, I don't think we'll appreciate how hard it was to get there, you know, <laughs> because people will just throw their hands up and be like, oh, why wasn't it like this all along? Because I know for now, like we have authenticator tokens now, right? Like authenticator apps. I'll give you an example. Facebook ad buying, you can't buy ads unless you have 2FA. And then you also can't buy across multiple accounts unless you have an authenticator app. So every time, every time I log into Facebook, sometimes it'll say like, you know, what's your six digit token? I'm like, dang it. I don't know where my phone is. <laughs> like it's 2FA has been a pain in the butt. <laughs> yes. And it's gotten better than that physical yep. RSA token you talked about that used to be out there. Yeah. But we'll be happy when it's, when it's eliminated. And, and that's what we're trying to do it for, Drock. And I think of a couple of years from now, you know, you'll be able to see a, a, a self-driving car that's just sitting on the curb. You can just open the door, get in, sit down and command where you want to go. And all of that will happen seamlessly. They'll be able to recognize you through the actions that you took to get in that car and, and ask for your destination. And that will be hooked to your billing profile. And if you go through a toll booth, they'll be able to uh, connect that to all of your, you know, your needs. It's just, that's the kind of experience. And that, that technology exists today. Uh, we just have to have the energy to continue to implement it. No, this is going to, listen, I can't wait for this world to exist because uh, <laughs> logging into things is a pain in the butt. You know, one of the things that also is happening, you know, I'm taking a look at your, the website a little bit. You guys are definitely talking a lot about this multi-cloud concept, which we know a lot of companies are pushing forward in. Our listeners are very much versed in multi-cloud. Talk about why managing identities across clouds. I mean, it seems simple enough to me. It's like, well, each cloud has its own access management system, which is a pain. <laughs> but talk to me about what's happening in multi-cloud and what the enterprises are demanding in, in regards to identity. I think enterprises are demanding control of that identity. It is so critical. It's the front door to their business. And they want to be able to manage it independent of where they're running their application stack. So if they're running in their own private cloud, if they're running in AWS, Azure, GCP, they want to be able to control that identity and not have to have multiple identity services based on where they're running the technology. And, you know, that's really what's important to customers from the control of that identity experience. So each one of those clouds has its own, right? And so there was, I remember at one point there was basically this fundamental shift in thinking of business buyers where they thought to themselves, they don't want to overcommit to a cloud. They don't want to overcommit because the cloud then controls everything. They want to go multi-cloud. So now it makes total sense. They don't want to overcommit 
to access management. But is that something that is a threat to Forge Rock or your industry? Will people want multiple access management control systems like they did with separate clouds? Or will they trust a third party to completely control it all? They will trust themselves to manage the identities of their users. It's the crown jewels of their organization, whether it's their employees or their consumers. And they don't want to throw that all in with one of the cloud providers so that they can have that portability as they go with their multi-cloud strategy. They certainly don't want to use two or three identity solutions. <laughs> uh, so they've got to choose one. And, you know, and, and also, you know, those cloud providers aren't identity specialists. They haven't built the kind of functionality we've been talking about around password lists and username lists and embedding AI into that experience. So our enterprise customers want the best identity solution they can get to be able to access applications wherever they reside. So what's it like working at Forge Rock then? Because you know, you've built this great system. Would you say it's pretty seamless to work at Forge Rock? Do I have access to all my services pretty seamlessly through one identity? Or do, you have, do uh, your employees, you know, like someone else once said, drink your own champagne? You know, I think, I think like many companies, we're on a journey. We focus so much yeah. on our customers sometimes and getting our customers and partners going. You know, it's that, some of that thing you think about doctors who smoke. Yeah. I would say working at Forge Rock is very hectic right now. Yeah. Identity market is so hot and such a high priority for so many companies. We were gratified that in Q4 of last year, we were the only identity provider to be recognized as a leader by Gartner, Forrester, and Coppinger Cole. So we've seen a big increase in the RFPs and the inquiries in our business. So, you know, we're, we're continuing this evolution to be a service. So it's, it's a very busy time at the company. There you go. Well, Fran, I appreciate you sharing so much about Forge Rock and what you guys are up to and your vision for the future. Right now, though, it's time for the lightning round. The lightning round is brought to us by Salesforce Platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Fran, this is where we ask you questions about your world outside of Forge Rock so our audience can get to know you better. Are you ready? I'm ready, Albert. All right, friend. in your profile pic on Twitter, you are holding what appears to be a glass of wine or champagne. What is your favorite champagne or wine? I, my favorite wine is red burgundy from France. That's not what I'm holding in the picture. Yeah. <laughs> that is champagne down in LA. I went to an art show in LA uh, last year, right before COVID hit. But my favorite wine is red wine from Burgundy, France. Red wine from Burgundy, France. If you guys are avid listeners or uh, wine connoisseurs, give that a try. Fran, what do you like to pair it with? Uh, I like to pair it with just about everything. I eat everything, but I would say the classic cheese. <laughs> but I'm also a big pretzel eater. And I know that sounds weird, but red wine and pretzels on a Friday night after work, that's like heaven to me. Okay. Are you a crunchy or a, a soft pretzel guy? A crunchy and extra dark. And I order them online from a place in Pennsylvania, Dutch country in Pennsylvania. They're amazing. A little overcooked with a glass of red wine. It's amazing. Okay. Because I've had those pretzels before where they're like, to me, they're very difficult to bite. <laughs> Maybe my teeth are just weak. <laughs> I chop them up a little bit and then they're a little bit bite-sized pieces. Awesome. You know, you mentioned Los Angeles. How about travel? Are you an avid traveler? I am an avid traveler and I really miss it. I never thought I would say you know, I miss United and American and Delta, but I am ready to get back on a plane. Because CEOs kind of do, you know, from what I know of tech businesses, in the past, you probably had to fly to go close some deals. Where are you looking forward to flying to when all travel restrictions are lifted? We have a great team in APJ. We have a very active business. Forge Rock's a very global company. Actually, 50% of our employees and 50% of our customers are outside the US. Wow. And I really can't wait to get to Singapore and to Sydney and to Melbourne. We have such an active business down there, but 
I'm ready to go just about any place at this point. <laughs> I like it. Being landlocked a little bit too long. Yes. What is one piece of technology that currently blows your mind? It can be, it's consumer side. On the consumer side, you know, it's not necessarily new, but I'm a big streaming music uh, fan and I'm a big Sirius XM and, you know, using that on the app, in the car, in the house, through my Sonos. I just think the whole ability to consume any kind of music anytime uh, is really important to me. And I, that's my number one most favorite consumer app. I don't want to say it's blowing my mind, but the music I hear blows my mind. There you go. Listen, I tell my kids, when I try to explain to my kids what it was like carrying around a CD book, their minds are blown. I'm like, what? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> exactly. Or even an iPod. Yeah. And you know, this based on your LinkedIn, it looks like this is the first time you're a CEO. Is that accurate? It is. What is advice? Because some of our listeners are hold high ranking titles at their companies. Some of them they've co-founded, some of them that they're part of. Some of them are probably going to become CEOs. What is your advice for these people? What's it, take, what's it like taking over an organization? You know, you've got to learn an entire business to be able to an effective CEO to at least some degree. And I see people who come up through the engineering ranks or the sales ranks or the marketing ranks, and they're really good in what they do. Yeah. But you have to have a level of intellectual curiosity to want to learn an entire business. And in my career, I moved, I started out as an engineer, and then I moved to kind of a sales engineering and had to feel what it was like out in the world. And then I moved into a product management role and then into general management. And I, and I had that understanding of how all the functions fit together to form a business. It's critical that people understand that. Well, there you go. Fran, sounds like you got experience making it, selling it, and then leading people to make it and sell it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Fran, thanks for joining us today on IT Visionaries. Thanks for sharing your vision for identity in the future, things that Forge Rocks are looking to accomplish. And thanks for sharing a little bit about what you like to do. Thank you, Albert. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak to you today. It was a lot of fun. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Build connected experiences, empower every employee, and deliver continuous innovation with the customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com slash platform.